to another episode of the Dark Inside Podcast. This is episode 36, and I am your host for this episode. You'll have to bear with me on this one. It's my first time hosting. I'm a little bit nervous. Um, so, like I said, I am your host for this episode, Josh Crow, um, and I am joined today on this episode by my good friends, Mr. Jeremy Greer. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, Josh, and how are you? Oh, yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Yeah, good. like I said, slightly nervous, but yeah, all good. Um, You're good. We have You're a... good. I like this. Good, Great. good. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. And uh, yeah, we have, we have a special guest this week. Um, if you don't know her on Twitter, then frankly, why don't you know her on Twitter? She's an absolutely joy of a person to speak to. And from all the pictures I've seen, a cosplay extraordinaire. So I'd like to welcome, <laughs> like to welcome to the show for the first time, Kay, aka Humanity Upgrade from Twitter. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. I'm Thank also you. Very good. Nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. So, like I was just saying before we started actually getting into it, like I feel like I should actually come in and do my my Cockney Cliff accent. So, <laughs> so agreed. Uh, agreed. Anytime we can get somebody impersonating Cliff, I'm all about it. So we can do that. He's <laughs> he's gonna murder me for doing this, but I was say, "Call blimey, Mary Poppins! I've gone and done myself a mischief." <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent i can't even approach an accent like i can't even do the accent of where i'm supposed to be from so like i'm not even going to try to do any kind of crazy accent i can do a mean french canadian accent but that's about the best i can do okay all my all my family's <laughs> french canadian so that's um I, that's about the, the only accent i can impersonate i'm not going to do it here but <laughs> <laughs> No, I just felt like uh, a London accent helps me get into the, the, I don't know, the the role of hosting, I suppose. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it sounds it sounds uh, it sounds classier if you're from London, right? That's the way it works. I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> He's gonna says, absolutely kill me for that. Yeah, says the guy who's never been to the UK. So obviously, I know everything <laughs> about it. <laughs> oh dear me! Right. Well, I mean, I suppose we could um, hop straight into the news. Not that there's been that much of it recently. Well, we um, gotta we gotta do the weather chat. We got we got complaints when we didn't do weather chat one week, so we have to do it every week. Very true. Time. Yeah, very true. As I said during the message the other day, some people will probably just tune in just for the weather. So just for the weather, for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose we had better. So, what's it like for you over there? Uh, down here, it's actually very very sunny and warm. So, like, we're just having unseasonably warm weather. It was cold one day this week. Um, I woke up and there was actually like a little bit of ice on the grass outside, and then about. 11 o'clock it all melted away and it's just been warm ever since so i don't know that we're ever going to have an actual winter in louisiana this year so far it's just been hot what about you Kay? uh it's about normal for a winter down in salt lake city here it's about well today i think they said the high would be 53 so it's a little bit warm sunny there's a little bit of snow on the ground or there was it might be melted by now because it snowed really really hard on wednesday night um I was super mad at my process servers at work because they made me stay late and then I had to drive home in the snowstorm. But uh, yeah, it's about it's about average for this time of year. It never gets that cold in Utah, really. Yeah. I love that there's, um, we don't have Vader on the show so we can say things like 53 degrees and he's not gonna, you know, 
maybe not going to like correct us into uh, Celsius or whatever. Yeah, that's 53 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit, if anybody's Absolutely. wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do the conversion from Fahrenheit to Celsius, so you're not going to get that from me at all. <laughs> Subtract or add 32, depending on which way you're going, or something like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah I do works. know it. I do know it in a dusty corner of my head, but yeah, I couldn't actually recite it. But I mean, the, what you, what you both have is in direct contrast to what we've had because it's been absolutely freezing this week. It's been ludicrous. It's just been so cold, and it's been raining horribly. And oh, it's just, it's basically this is our winter now. It's going to be cold, and it's going to be raining, and there's going to be no snow whatsoever. That so, sucks. Yeah, this is this is a British winter time for you, isn't it? Lovely. <laughs> Yeah, so I suppose we'd better jump into the news. There's, it's been a bit quiet this week in terms of game news, but there has been particularly one thing today that, that really caught my eye um, regarding No Man's Sky. I think this this particularly caught my eye because they've been so quiet recently that any news about No Man's Sky is it's kind of strange because it's just yeah. it's been a, it's been a barren wasteland over there uh, for good reason. Silent. Yeah. Yeah, for good reason, I think, because I think they're probably under strict rules not to say a single thing because it's them talking too much that's got them in a bit of trouble. <laughs> so, so I think they're under very strict supervision at the moment. But the the news is that there is apparently supposed to be a patch released very soon, which they say is going to be foundations for them going forward with things they intend to put into the game, um, which is all from a personal opinion which is all well and good in them saying that but like quite a few people i've already gone and sold my copy so it's not you know if this news would have come a lot earlier while i was still interested in it then it might have actually been of some use to me but it's, it's still interesting but uh, Were they, um, yeah. sorry i didn't see any specifics were there any specifics about what they meant by features they intended to put in the game being added they're calling this the uh foundation update uh because it's supposedly going to lay the foundations quote unquote for base building which they had which had, they had talked about right after release adding and also the okay. quote foundation for other updates which they haven't so basically no all they said is like the foundations of base building is coming which i've always been kind of weirded out by the base building aspect of no man's sky like they've they've always said that that's something they wanted to do and i just i don't get it because like all of the planets and stuff that you visit in no man's sky are just kind of throwaway like you go to them you explore them around, you can explore as much or as little as you want to, and then you leave, and then you basically never go back to them, because it's the way that the game is set up, it's very difficult to get back to places yeah, that you've I, been before. I kind of thought the whole point was to just keep going. Mm -hmm. So, my, my theory is that the base building stuff is just going to be, and that's what, this is kind of what I'm hoping, like, the point of the whole game seems to be just to mine planets, right? Like, that's the, pretty much the only interaction with the world that you have, is just stealing all of their minerals. So, if you're going to build a base, like to me, hey, I found this planet with a lot of emerald on it. I'm going to build a giant strip mine machine, and I'm just going to eat this planet alive from the inside out. And then I'm going to leave and never come back. <laughs> like It's going to be yep. the worst environmental disaster that the galaxy has ever seen. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah it, it does seem a bit counterproductive. In fact, they're offering all this base building stuff where you think, well, think how much of the planet I'm going to actually have to destroy in order to get all the resources I need to build all these bases. So by the time I've finished, I'm not really going to have that much of a planet for the base to go on. So I don't... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how they were planning that out in the first place, but... I mean, they did say the patch notes are going to be released. It might be in the next week, two weeks or something, but... Um, 
Yeah, it is on the way. Yeah, right now it's it's the 26th, I think, today. They're the 25th or the 26th and um, 25th. And they said it was going to be released next week. So this will be out on both platforms, PC and console, for next week, which will be pretty interesting. This actually got me to boot up my copy of No Man's Sky um, today and just kind of tool around a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, that game is still relaxing and you still need more to do in that game. Because <laughs> <laughs> I played for about 30 minutes and was like, yep, this is the game that I remember. Absolutely. Now I know exactly what's happening. It kind of never really looked like my thing, so I never picked up a copy. And then all mm-hmm. the controversy, if you can call it, that happened. And I kind of just went, well, I'll just stay away from that one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good title uh, in like the 20 to $30 range. Like, it's it's a very pretty game, and it's a yeah. really chill game. Like, you can kind of just fly from planet to planet. And there's something really, really cool about that feeling of flying from you know the galaxy into a planet surface like that that still that that never really gets old to me it's pretty cool but the uh the in-game stuff is just not there like it's just kind of a, a slog once you upgrade your suit and you upgrade your gun and your or your multi-tool or whatever like it's just there's just not a whole lot to do in there i do want to say i'm glad you put this on the thing josh because i feel like hello games has been kind of unfairly I guess crucified is probably a strong word, but it definitely feels like crucified on the in the gaming community for releasing what exactly what they were showing in the commercials. And I know there's some stuff around like what that dude was saying before the game was coming out, but I really feel like, and we talk about this a lot on Dark Insight, but the, the people's expectations for this game really got in the way of the actual game. They were Just through be, the roof. Yeah, yeah. People calling this a forever game. Like, what even is a forever game? Nobody plays a game forever unless it's a Dark Souls. Like, that's just a fact. There's no <laughs> other game Warcraft, that people play forever. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. World of Warcraft. I guess I can call it. I guess we can give, that, give it that one as well. Yeah. There, there seems to be a very specific niche that you really, if it's going to be a forever game, it, it seems very in contrast with what people were expecting because if they say it's a forever game, there's not really enough in there to warrant playing it forever like you've got enough content in there as i found out to last you about four hours and you think well i've pretty much seen everything this game has to offer at least at the moment Mm -hmm. so you don't really feel any need to sort of spend any time in it and if you're into that sort of game then of course you're going to play it for a long time but i think i think a lot of people had a very different impression of what the game was going to be based on what hello games was saying and i mean that, that's we just said that was the main problem was that they needed to shut up and they and they didn't and it kind of got them in over their heads maybe they weren't expecting so much attention right off the mm-hmm. bat because they were an indie studio they were very small and all of a sudden were put on stage at e3 and got several in, years got in, in a row hot water yeah and so expectations got way out of hand for them i feel yeah, and it's it's difficult because again, I I know I realize that games are a business and you have to promote these games and you have to say like, oh, this game is so awesome. It's got 10 5 out of 5 ratings on the internet like all of those commercials that you see like for video games after they've been out for a little bit that like patting themselves on the back for being game of the year. Like all of that stuff is business and they're trying to sell units and that's what gets game developers paid and that's what gets us more games. Like I totally get that, but like at a certain point just calm down like if the game is and i I feel i feel like i'm repeating myself because i think we just talked about this last day last episode but yeah just don't talk about it so far in advance and Mm. and lots of game companies sort of um 
have different footage or or they talk about features that don't make it into the game in the end ubisoft is kind of famous for having trailers and e3 footage that don't match the final product but they don't get nearly as much crap for it because they're a bigger studio and they can sort of handle the fallout and put all the correct disclaimers on their videos uh, and this is not f final footage or whatever they need to say and so you know like again it's just hello games was a small studio and they got way in over their heads like national attention or like international attention like yeah. there were so many people like you would go on the reddit and be like oh i'm gonna be able to live my life as a space trader and all this other stuff and like i feel bad because there's very very basic space trading in there but there's not a lot of it <laughs> like it's not it's not really interesting like other games have have done it better and and things so i just i just feel like they still get an undual un, excuse me an unduly amount of shit for the, just what they have done, which is, I mean, maybe they overtalk their game a little bit, but I think like almost. If they'd, um, if they'd not gotten so much attention so early on, it probably would have been different. It would have been released and not, it wouldn't have gotten nearly as much backlash. I think they just stayed small, but they didn't. Probably and, so. and they got Reddit on their heels. Did you guys see the, uh, the speaking of Reddit, the, what Reddit was doing, by the way, uh, raising money in charity or whatever. Uh, no. Like, they were they were taking donations um, for, like, cancer research or something. And uh, But the the whole thing was, like, if we meet our goal, we're going to force, uh, what's his name? I can't remember the guy's name. Sean something to, to Sean give us Murray. an update. Sean Murray to give us an update on the game. Or else we're not going to give the money to charity. And I'm like, you guys are blackmailing some rando? Like, because you just, like, it was just, it was just yeah, super no, gross. Like, if yeah, you want That is gross. Yeah, if you want to raise money for charity, like just raise money for charity. If you don't want to give money to charity, don't give money to charity. Like I'm not here to judge you, but like don't involve a third party that you're not associated with for your like bullshit. It sounds like a really points. good way to scam a bunch of people out of a lot. <laughs> oh, you didn't give an update, so I'm just gonna keep this. Agreed. Yeah, like <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Take the money, yeah. run, create a new Reddit identity. No one will ever know. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so i don't know but you know that's i guess that's just video games nowadays like that's just gonna be how we deal with life from now on throw big old baby tantrums yeah <laughs> big old tantrums um what i guess that's all we got for no man's sky what else we got josh and i'm guessing you put this jeremy something about final fantasy 15 leaked with spoilers all over the shop or maybe that was Vader. I don't really know. Uh, that was me. I just saw this, and oh, I, yeah. I like I like to mention Final Fantasy fifteen when Cliff isn't on the podcast, so that he can't talk about it. Because it, I know when when he's listening, it'll, it'll be really irritating to him. Because <laughs> I'm a super mean guy to Cliff. Uh, yeah, but I guess uh, digital cut, not digital retail copies of this hit the streets fairly early. So uh, it comes yeah. out next week, right? Yeah, yeah, but it came out, digital copies, or oh, I keep saying digital for some reason, uh, retail copies showed up sometime early this week, so like, yikes! Like I saw one of the editors of GameSpot in the UK say like, whoops, I was reading a comment thread and got spoiled on the last 10 minutes of Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, this day and age for games and nothing is sacred anymore. Everything gets spoiled and it's just such a shame. Oh. Yeah, just I wish we weren't an internet so like 
focused on just saying the first thing that comes into our mind, like whether it's spoilers or just opinions or whatever, but like, if you've played the game a week in advance, just be quiet for like a week and a half. Like that's all you need to do. Or if you're going to say something, say general stuff and not just say, oh, such and such dies at the end or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Snake kills the big boss. Spoiler alert. Just let you know. <laughs> When's the last time you guys have gotten like severely spoiled on something to the point that it kind of like it, you were disappointed that you had heard it before you had played the game or watched the movie or read the book or what have you? Uh, Snape kills Dumbledore was probably the last one. <laughs> Oh, really? You got spoiled on that one, the last Harry Potter book? Everybody got spoiled on that. It wasn't the <laughs> last one, it was the, the penultimate one, and yeah, like, sta- like, I remember someone telling me that they were, like, standing on a bridge in London, and they heard someone say it. And, right, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was probably one of the more infamous and ubiquitous spoilers out there, and that's the last one I can really remember. Yeah, so for me, I, I can't really remember any, um... Generally speaking, if something gets spoiled for me, it's by the time I come to experience whatever it is that's been spoiled, I've generally forgotten about it. So sure. it just I kind of I get to relive it for the first time anyway. Um, and also, yeah. um, if you get the whole just the little one sentence spoiler, it doesn't really tell you the context of what happens most of the time. So you still have to find out what's like well why does Snape kill Dumbledore at the end of Harry Potter and the, ha- and the Half-Blood Prince? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> so there's still, there's still something to it, you know, to find out. But My wife is one of those people that actually prefers spoilers. Like she, like, she is more comfortable going into something knowing that somebody's going to die, like, than not, just so that she's not, like, she gets real tense when she watches stuff, so she, like, gets like, ah, what's gonna happen? Like, and I enjoy that experience, but she does not enjoy that experience, so, like, when Game of Thrones is airing, we usually watch it a day late just because of the lag, and uh, like, she'll go and, like, look up not everything, but she'll go and, like, if she sees a spoiler about it, she's like, oh, okay, like, that's cool that such and such person died, like, okay. And then she's expecting it, so that makes her, uh, like, way more comfortable watching the show. That seems so alien to me. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand like how anybody. Can... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, why would you want this, the surprise for? I mean, obviously, each to their own and everything. That just coming from the complete opposite perspective. That's just so jarring to me. But yeah, it won't really ruin weird. my day if I do get spoiled. But I do prefer not to. It kind of depends on what it is. Like, there's there's little media out there that I really care about so much that I think that it would like negatively affect my day. Um, I don't need to see a lot of stuff. Like I talked a couple of weeks ago about the uh, like really, really long extended trailers before movies. Like I don't need to see a three and a half minute trailer on um, fantastic beast and where to find them. Like I was pretty much already going to go see that movie. Like I don't need four minutes of (laughs) the material to be able to prove that to me. But like when uh, dark souls hadn't been released yet, dark souls three hadn't been released yet. And then some, some podcast was like, Oh yeah, the first area you see is firelink shrine. I was like, okay, so you know, that the implication there was, and obviously it doesn't really mean much that just in Firelink Shrine, like it doesn't affect the game that hugely, but like just knowing that it was there and expecting it and then seeing it come up was, it took away some of my enjoyment from it. So. Mm. Yeah, but I think that was also combined with the way that the marketing was handled anyway. So you were getting kind of sandwiched between the marketing side of it, plus the actual, the spoilers, having people having copies early. So you kind of, it doesn't matter where you looked, you had to essentially, because I know you did, you muted so much stuff 
in order to avoid anything that you could. Um, like you felt like you had nowhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like shame. we've all talked quite a bit of shit about Dark Souls 3's marketing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's come up on every single episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. So that's... Yeah, just about. <laughs> that, that could be attributed to me because apparently it's Milo Whipping Boy of a conversation topic. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. That's on me. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I haven't really been playing any video games this week with the holiday weekend and with um, associated pod business that I was doing all week long. Um, I just didn't have time to sit down and play a lot. So I've been continuing my playthroughs on Dishonored, uh, the first game, and really enjoying that. Kay, have you played Dishonored before? I have. I played the first one. Um, I, I really liked it, although I was just dreadful at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm running into as well. Is that I am just like terrible at the at the stealth side of the game. It like was, it's just it was a miserable. combination for me of a lot of different games that I'm bad at. It's a first person game, and I'm bad at first person games. And it was a stealth game, and I'm bad at stealth games. So it was just it was never going to be it's never going to be a walk in the park. But um, I still had a really good time with it. Yeah. Did you? What did you end up like? What was your play style? And Josh, you can chime in on this too because I think you played the game as well. Like I have, yeah. yeah. Did, did I you, accidentally uh, killed a lot of people. You accidentally <laughs> killed a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, were you like trying to, you know, completely one hundred percent ghost it, or were you just I, like, okay, if somebody sees me, I'm just going to kill them and I'll move on? But otherwise, well, I mean, what would usually happen is I would go into a section saying, okay, I'm going to stealth this one, and then someone would see me and I'd murder them, and so. <laughs> Or there'd be situations where I uh, knocked a guy out and left him somewhere, and then the rats ate him, and that counted against me. Um, uh, yeah, that just sucks. crazy stuff like that. Like, there's it's it's pretty easy to accidentally kill someone, and at least the first dishonored. Yeah, I've heard because I know that I guess there's trophies in there for like completing the game without killing anyone, and I've heard people you know yeah, complain about a, like somebody like a guard dies across the map without without you messing with them, and you're like yeah, that's that yeah. There's clean hands, which is for not killing anyone then there's ghost which is for um not being seen and i believe also for not killing anyone so you kind of tend to get both at the same time if you do it right but yeah there'll be a lot of situations where a guard just kind of falls off a cliff on his own and they count it against you which is pretty unfair yeah yeah that does seem pretty unfair but i can i can see it from a game programmer's point of view of like well the only way someone's gonna die is if you if a player kills him right (laughs) not even worried about it it could have pretty easily been overlooked or they just couldn't fix it Um, yeah would cause some other cascading bug or something i have the i have the issue of where anytime i get spotted or uh kill somebody or whatever like i have to like my brain makes me want to reload it from the last point that i saved it so, which creates this other effect of me saving every like three and a half minutes. So, I never really get kind of immersed in the game. Like I'm constantly like saving or loading. Like I'm constantly like fumbling with menus more than I'm actually playing the game because I'm terrible at it. And I get spotted every other minute. Like, and I just don't know. And I'm early yet. Like I'm only a few missions in, so I'm not like you know super deep in it. And I've only unlocked a couple of powers, but I'm sure that those will help. But like I. You know, you you hear people saying stuff like, "Oh yeah, I just ghosted in there without a single person seeing me," and I'm like, "How? What did you do? That seems you impossible." Should, you guys should check out this series of videos on YouTube of uh, a guy's insane high chaos strats. They're just he's just so good at the game. I can't remember what the <laughs> what the YouTube guy's name is. I'll have to if I find it, I'll I'll tweet it out after this. But like, just 
just doing stuff where he's like blinking on top of guards and then he'll pick them up and drop them on top of somebody else to knock them out and like, then kill them both and like <laughs> this, yeah. this totally insane stuff and he he blew through Lady Boyle's last party in like three minutes wow that, that just seems impossible to me yeah, this guy's a god at Dishonored yeah <laughs> yeah that definitely falls into the category of when you watch somebody do a, a soul level one run and you think you've just got far too much spare time in your hands if if you if you've got enough spare time to be able to perfect the game to that extent i envy you i really do because i'm exactly the same is that normally with stealth games and generally pretty rubbish anyway the only one i'm actually any good at is is the mgs games um but I'm not for even some reason those. I, it took me a long time to get there, but because it was Metal Gear, I, I put all that time in quite willingly. But with this, I really, I really struggle. Even though the first-person view gives you slightly more control, because obviously you've got the initial peripheral vision as well, I find that harder. For some, I don't, I can't. It's really hard I, to explain. For me, yeah. it's that I'm not able to see behind my character. Like in Metal Gear, it's third person, so you kind of have a little bit of a view around him. Yeah, but uh, in you can only see what's basically directly in front of Corvo, so that that really trips me up. Yeah, trying to do stuff like um, determine if I'm in cover or not, and what I should be like, how I should be reacting to things around you. Like in third person, specifically thinking of Metal Gear Solid Five, like I was able to get into cover and then move the camera around in order to kind of plan my next move. But with Dishonored, sorry, or even. Deus Ex, which is a mix of both first and third mm-hmm. person. Like, am I even, am I completely covered by this wall? Well, lean up against it, and you can see Adam. And yes, he's totally uh, covered yeah. by this wall. You know, I've got that game in the in the disc drive, and I still haven't. Like, I played the opening tutorial and was like, I need to send this back to GameFly, and I've been too lazy to send it back to GameFly. So I should probably give it another try at some point. <laughs> nah, you should. It's really good as well. Human Revolution's a good game. I haven't played uh, Mankind Divided yet. Yeah, that's that's the one I got from Gamefly, and there was like a twelve-minute um, catch-up video of all of the stuff that happened in Mankind Divided, and I guess Human Revolution. Human Revolution, excuse me. Uh, and I guess I knew, like in my head, that this was the sequel and everything. But when they were like, "Do you want to see like a summary of the story so far?" I was like, "Sure." And I, up until that point, I realized I didn't realize that I was playing the second game. I thought I was playing a HD remaster of the first. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I don't need to play that game again any, any, anymore." So I'll just go right to the sequel. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, to get back to Dishonored, I'm exactly the same as you, Jeremy. I'm forever uh, just backing up my saves. And if something, I do the same with Hitman as well. If something doesn't go exactly how I plan it, I'd instantly just reload it, especially with the convenience of um, the save system in the sequel. Um, because it's just the save system is as soon as you pause it, you if you hold down the right trigger, um, it's, or R2, I suppose, if you play it on PS4, um, that quick saves it and then if you hold down l2 or left trigger that quick loads it so it's, just, it's so convenient so if you make a mistake you can easily just pause it and then reload it and it's just it's so much more convenient to be able to have a play style like that eventually it gets to a stage where if i just get seen too many times and think oh i just i don't have the time for this everybody's gonna die here now um <laughs> but, but typically like yeah but it's a Typically, uh, I try to be as stealthy as I can, but it never really goes to plan. But I don't really mind so much because I just love being in that world. So I think I'm forever keeping an eye on the chaos level as well. So I think, well, 
it's currently on low chaos, so I'll see if I can maybe bump off a couple of people and then just consider it maybe a happy accident or something and it won't affect my rating too much. And so far in the sequel that's managed to, to see me through, but the first game was exactly the same where if something didn't go according to plan, I'd reload it and reload it until the point where if I couldn't do it, I got fed up and said, right, that's it, you're all dead and I'm just moving on. Mm. Does the quick loading, quick saving you're talking about, is that in the first game as well? Or is that just in two? No, no, that was a specific addition that I think was requested by the fans to be oh, put okay. in the sequel. So make it yeah. easier to save scum, please. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. <definitely. laughs> yeah. And it, it's one of those features where you wish more games had it as well, because it's just the player convenience is just optimized with that save system It's so simple. Yeah, there's a there's a thing in Binding of Isaac which um where if you're playing for specific strategies or specific goals, then you know, you usually hit that first treasure room and you're like, Okay, well this is a garbage item, I'm just gonna reset. On the PC you can just hold the R key and it just resets. But on PS4 you have to pause, exit to the main menu, start the new game, select your character, even if it was the same characters you did last time, like choose your mode, like and oh, do you are you sure? Do you wanna override your current progress? Yes, I'm sure. Like it's just it's just unwieldy and it's really annoying. Yeah. yeah, more games need like serious quality of life improvements. Like I think I feel like I could be a consultant for that. It'd be like, hey, your game needs this, and you should do it. Pay me ten thousand dollars. Mm. Yeah, Hotline Miami was was a, a prime example of how it should be done right. Because if you mess up in Hotline Miami, if you reload it, the the reload is like a second and a half, two seconds. So you're back to your loaded state instantly. So if you if you mess up, you just you can just go right back to it, and it it's really good because it plays into the fact that it forces you to experiment, so you don't feel the need to sort of back off a bit. You think, well, if this doesn't go according to plan, I could just go back there and I'd be there in a heartbeat, so it's all fine. And I wish more games would implement that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. We need we need easier ways to play video games. Yes. Yeah, and preferably some more time to play them in as well, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. seriously. Yes. A couple of extra hours in the day, like I, I could definitely, I could definitely use that. Um, well, besides Dishonored One and a little bit of New No Man's Sky, which I've already talked about, that's uh, really all I've had time to play. I played some phone stuff, like, uh, but I've already mentioned those on previous podcasts, so I'm not going to get into those here. But yeah, uh, that was really about it. Yeah. Well, I mean. I... I've said that just talking about Dishonored, I've been playing the sequel quite a bit. This this game to me is actually, it's really hit me because most games, especially with the release period being the way that it's been recently, you typically just sort of go, right, I'm going to finish this game, put that to one side and then just move on to the next one. But this one, I've decided I'm actually going to really take my time. So I haven't finished it yet. I think I'm only about two thirds of the way through it. Um, but um, what I've played to this extent now I'm willing to put my cards on the table now and say this is going to be my game of the year I really feel that um, but dude we've because... got Final Fantasy 15 and uh, The Last Guardian coming out still like I'm just saying well Final, <laughs> well, Final Fantasy I'm not getting anywhere because I've never been a massive Final Fantasy fan um, that's going to annoy many people but it's true um, and The Last Guardian I plan to get but I think this one will definitely be a word of mouth situation. If enough people on Twitter convince me that it's worth buying, 
then I'll pick it up. But that's literally the only way I'm going to buy it. Plus, I haven't even done Eco or Shadow of the Colossus yet, so I need oh, to okay. I need to go oh, back and do those ones. Okay. Yeah, I, I know those games. Yeah, and uh, from everything I've heard, you've got good reason to do so. So, I, and it's shame on me for having not played them yet. But by the time I discovered what they were, my backlog was already in full effect, and I've never been able to shift it. So, well, it's just another one of those. Games, those two games are both quite short, so you can get through them pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, you pick yeah, them up. Is what I'm up. saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm torn as to whether to get them, get the the remastered versions on PS3, or just spend a little bit extra and get like the real nice collector's editions via eBay for the PS2. So I don't know. I'll get you know what I would do? Day. I would. Um, it, have you uh, ever signed up for PS Now before? Uh, I tried it once, and I tried to play mm-hmm. one game, and it took forever to load, so I didn't do it again. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, they, they give you like a week free trial or whatever, and both of those games are on there, and you could get easily get through both of those. But if the service doesn't work for you, then they, yeah, that's not the that's definitely not the way to go. It I would say, uh, I would I would say definitely go with the PS3 versions though. If you're going to play either one, like if you like it enough to go get the collector's edition, do that. But like, they, those games usually go on sale for with digital versions all the time on PS3. So yeah, and the PS3 versions um, aren't like. Um, they're they're pretty good, you know. They're not um total disasters like the Silent Hill collection was or anything. Um, they're yeah. I mean, the only real difference I can think of for Shadow of the Colossus that I remember was that they added a slowdown on the death blow for for the Colossus, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a weird addition. Uh, they look good and they play well and don't seem to have any features missing, as far as I can tell. I have the I have both games on PS2, so yeah. I mean, yeah. I have I have the both of them on on the both systems, and uh, there's some there's some differences in the uh, U.S. version of Shadow of the Colossus because they they uh, took some of the difficulty settings for the European release. So like that fifteenth oh, right. Colossus, yeah, the fifteenth Colossus will take way longer than he should as as compared to you know that the 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 original U.S. edition. But it's like literally nothing would get in the way of your enjoyment, Josh. Like like yeah, just. You know, playing through Shadow of the Colossus would probably take you about eight hours, maybe. Just uh, yeah. don't do not do what Vader did, which is not ask me for any advice. Ask me for advice. Because <laughs> he finished the game, and I was like, because he was complaining about the controls, and I was like, well, you know that you can, like, hold, I think it was L2 or something, to, like, look at the Colossus at all time, and then if you whip out the boat, it'll automatically aim. He's like, what are you talking about? I can't do any of that stuff. And I was like, ah, you should have asked there's, me. There's, there's still some wonkiness with the controls. I remember having a really hard time with the um, the Sand Tiger colossus because you're riding the horse and trying to look behind you at the colossus and trying to shoot the bow and it's just you're holding almost all of the buttons <laughs> <laughs> yeah it gets into a uh what was the uh the david cage game the uh heavy rain where you're heavy like at, at some point where you have like 18 buttons pressed yeah, and you're trying to um, like there's one press one with your nose <laughs> in the garage when you're fighting with crazy jack where you literally have to push all of the buttons Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that. great. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and that, in that case, like I'll, I will talk mad shit about Heavy Rain all day, every day. But at, in that case, it was supposed to be difficult, so it kind of gets a pass. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I had a good time with Heavy Rain. Like it's flawed, but it, you know, I've also oh, watched like all of the Fantastic Four movies. So. <laughs> you thought it was what? I'm sorry. I thought Heavy Rain was hilarious. Yeah, it is I that. Felt the same way about Indigo <laughs> Prophecy and uh, Beyond Two Souls. Omicron's too bad for me to get through, so no opinion on that one. But I never got through Indigo Prophecy, but I, I played the other three, and I'll, I'll play like whatever weird uh, 
you know Westworld movie, Westworld game that he's coming out with next, or Detroit or whatever. Uh, so. Detroit, yeah, I'll probably play it too, but it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> yeah, it will be. <laughs> that's yeah, that's definitely gonna be another uh, word of mouth game for me, the Detroit one, um, because I was yeah. so heavily burned after Heavy Rain. I didn't play Beyond um, because after just being burned so hard by Heavy Rain, I just thought, no, I'm not prepared. Well, Beyond to... is Beyond is terrible, so you didn't really miss anything i'm I'm probably gonna get crap for this but like it's it's not it's not good it's really poorly written um yeah there were good performances in it though i will say that yeah if you want to see uh what's his name just act like a crazy person willem dafoe act like a crazy person like that's the game (laughs) he's he's pretty wacky (laughs) yeah well i mean the general consensus on beyond seems to be that it's pretty bad so i thought well i'm not really the um David Cage finally did that thing he's been harping on a while. Remember, he always says, uh, um, game overs are a failure of the game designer or whatever. Was that the quote? Um, he finally did it in Beyond Two Souls. There's no there's no game overs. Oh, God. <laughs> and once I realized that, it was like, oh, well, why shouldn't I just intentionally fail my way through the rest of this game? Because there's no consequences. Yep. Yeah, mind yeah, you, I remember somebody somebody saying something about Heavy Rain where they actually put the controller down for one of the QTE sections and just let everything fail. And the, yeah, it just. I mean, there is consequence it. for failure in Heavy Rain. Your character could die. But like, I remember J- Norman Jaden has an absurd number of possible deaths. Yeah, so yeah, he does. <laughs> and so, I mean, there is at least some level of consequence there. But yeah. beyond, there's nothing. Like, um,. I was I was playing that one with my roommate at the time, um, and she was she was Ellen Page's character, and I was the ghost, and I was getting angry with her because she kept missing the prompts, and then she missed enough of them to the point where I had to like it. All of a sudden, it went into my view, and I had to go in and save her. And so I'm like, oh, oh. I, mean, I mean, it seems cool at first, but then you realize it's oh, oh, so there's no consequences for failure at all, and. That sort of takes a lot of the tension out of the situations, but at least my my roommate and I didn't argue anymore. <laughs> True. Yeah. At least you can finish the game for her, right? <laughs> yeah. You could just swoop in and save her at any time. That's, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that had that multiplayer capability. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, you can kind of split it up so one person's the ghost and one person's the lady, and it is kind of neat. Um, so there, I mean, there's definitely good things about that game, but it's so badly written. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Josh, I'm sorry, we got like crazy off topic from you saying that Dishonored 2 was the game of the year. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. Now That's we're fine. into David Cage games. <laughs> no, this show this show is known for tangents, so we're just, you know, we're just keeping the consistency, I suppose. That's um, true. Yeah. What uh what 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 specifically about Dishonored 2 or is it, like is it just the melding of the mechanics and everything else about it, like the the atmosphere and the plot, or like is there something very specific that's that's working for you? It's specifically it's the world. Um, I absolutely love being in that world. I just I explore every inch of it. Um, I find that obviously because it's it gives you the ability to traverse the world in the way you can with the blink ability. It's very it's a very vertical world that they've created anyway. But I love the fact that it seems to be overtly vertical to the point where you you can walk into a room and it just seems abnormal how tall the room is like you see a bookcase and it just seems to 
to go far beyond what you'd naturally expect it to. Maybe that's just me and my interpretation of it, but to me, it just, I'm a real big fan of that, and it just it makes things. I don't know, it makes it seem kind of cosy to me. Like, there's a couple of points I've got to where I think I could just happily just put the controller down and just sit here in an office and just look at stuff. And it's just, I love how detailed the world is in terms of the notes that you pick up. Um, and it's very much got the, the Bioshock feel of you walk into a room, you see a couple of dead people on the floor, and you wonder, right, what the, what's happened here? And then you sort of, you read a couple of notes... And then you see a couple of things that you didn't see before when you first walked in. And then you put two and two together and you think, that's really horrible what's just happened. And I love environmental storytelling like that. And obviously, because it's from the guys that gave us Half-Life 2, um, they're very good at telling a story via the environment. And they've definitely just completely knocked it out of the park again to the extent where the, I haven't even finished it yet, but I'm strongly considering this to be my game of the year. Having said that, there have been many games that have come out that I've only played for a couple of hours, and so I haven't really dedicated enough of my time to actually give them a fair judgment. But this is going to take some serious beating for me. And yeah, I, I really want to take one or two. Um, yeah. I, um, I'm, ho I'm holding out hope that I'm going to get that one for Christmas, so I haven't bought it yet. But... Um... I, I really liked the story, like you said, the story of the first one and the world building and everything, and I'm excited to get more of that. And I'm also really excited to play as Emily. Her powers seem really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the, I've opted for a Corva gameplay just because that was the character I played as in the first game, so I wanted to I don't know, kind of continue in the way that I, I left off. Uh, but I find that the voice acting for him can be a little bit kind of hit and miss, where you think some points, some of the things he says, he think, that's kind of how I imagine you to sound. But then there are some things in it that's definitely not how I imagine you to sound. So it's a bit, it's, it's very much just sort of peaks and troughs in terms of the voice acting. But well, he's also quite a bit older at this point, right? Like Twenty. He is. Yeah, he is. But he, he because of that, it kind of goes down the uh, the Metal Gear Solid Four route, where it's like because he's older, that means he naturally has to put on a specifically older voice and uh. it just it's it's kind of it's a bit jarring May, again maybe that's just me i know that some people have said that they found the voice acting to be fine some people said they find it to be just adequate um but so because i haven't really played as emily yet i mean i'm going once i finish it i'm going to go through again and play as emily but the only real point of voice acting i've had for it has been right at the start of the game so i don't really have enough to to judge her side of it but i've heard that again that's a very mixed bag in terms of how people feel um but i don't mind the voice acting so much because again it's just it's the notes and all the posters that you see and uh, what you hear the guards talk about and just everything it's very much for me it's one of those games where it feels like a real world on a disc and i genuinely look forward to the the next time I get to play it, because I think I get to be in that world again, and I absolutely love it, because it just, it really speaks to me. Um, and, you know, it's got all the, the, uh, the steampunk elements to it, and obviously that stuff can be slightly overdone, depending on what it is, and how much is implemented, but I think they kind of, they do a good job of keeping it balanced, so that you get the impression that that's the, the feel they're going for, but it doesn't become too annoying to see something that is, you know, just place right in front of you and say this is steampunk. And it's like it doesn't really 
place that in front of you and yeah to be honest i'm absolutely loving it um yeah it's such a good game and i absolutely i love it to pieces i really do as i seriously if i carry on talking about this game it's just gonna be me saying i love it 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 it's that good i love it i can't stop playing it i love it so yeah so i'm gonna have to leave that one there because it's just gonna be yeah it's gonna get irritating um yeah so excited to get my hands on that one yeah and it's some one way or another yeah, and if you do, it's very much a kind of a game that you can sort of throw yourself into in wintertime. You think, I'm just going to kind of shut everything else out and just throw myself into this world and just see what it's all about. Um, oh, that's it. There is one thing. There is one level. I shan't sort of go into spoilers or anything, but there is one level. I think it's chapter five, I want to say, chapter four or five, where the level design is absolutely incredible. I was speaking to uh, Stephen from the platformers podcast about this. I think it was last week. We were both saying how the level design in that level is so meticulously crafted that you don't, I think it's because we don't see that kind of level design too often in games nowadays, where when you do see something like that, you just sort of, you sit back and you, you sit back in awe and you just think this is incredible. It's to see things change the way they do. And it's, it becomes just a, a massive puzzle. Um, and that's all I'm going to really say about it because it's definitely one of those things that you need to go in as blind as you can um, and see it for yourself but that level design just completely blew me away to the point where if I was spotted I thought well I might as well just get myself killed because that means I can go back to this point where I can really just enjoy walking back to where I was so yeah I think it's chapter 5 but it's absolutely just stellar level design and that when i played that level that was the point when i was able to pinpoint it and say this is my game of the year so it's going to take some serious beating to knock that off the number one spot (sighs) i love this game i love it so both of you both of you help me out because i've played dishonored one before and i kept bouncing off of it for the a lot of the reasons I described earlier, like trying to reload it, save it all the time. Like what would your advice be for somebody like me who hasn't played Dishonored one, who kind of digs the world and setting and basically every video game person that I respect, like tells me this is a great game. Like every single person in my Twitter feed is like, Oh no, this is the best game ever looking at you, Brian Wade. Like what, what, what would you say to get me, like, do, do I need to just ignore all that stuff and just kind of play through as much as I can without loading or saving? I hate losing progress, and that's the reason I keep wanting to save all the time. And yeah, I, I know right. if I have a save right there, I can just reload it, and I'll be right there. So You might have to give up on saves coming. Yeah, you, you might have to. Take, take your high chaos ending if, if you end up with. That's what, I, that's what I ultimately had to do, was I just had to give up and say, okay, I'm not good at stealth. I have to... I have to just accept that I'm not going to get any better and um, do what I have to do to get through the game. And it worked out well enough for me. I was able, I mean, I was able to finish it. Um, and I did end up with the high chaos ending. Wah, wah. But <laughs> what are the mechanics? Like, I don't really, like, I'm interested in it from a plot story. Or plot story. Wow, that's a good combination of words. <laughs> I'm interested a plot in, story in it from as a, opposed to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From a totally different kind of story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm interested in it from a plot perspective, but like if I, let's say in the first mission, I kill every single guard I, I talk to and then I get to the end target and I like do a, a non-lethal takedown on the first target. Like what are the mechanical ramifications of that? Am I going to like 
it, it, does that make the game harder for me going forward or easier or I don't think it necessarily affects the difficulty of the I mean it's been a while since I played it so I don't really remember but I don't think it affects the difficulty of the game it just affects different story beats that happen throughout the game uh, NPCs will have different dialogue based on what's happening in the world because of your actions yeah. um, and you get a different ending yeah okay. I think it is tied more to the story because the more people you kill um because you you have the plague which the the rats in the game thrive on the more people you kill the more corpses there are and the more corpses there are the more rats turn up so because there's more rats turning up and they attack you as well so it means that if you kill more people you get more rats so the plague actually spreads further whereas if you just knock people out then the rats don't have too many people to actually feed on so the plague kind of gets contained within a, a specific small area rather than spreading all across the land because um, i think i mean i i believe if i remember correctly i think i got the good ending when i went through the first game and i think the bad ending uh kind of relates to this the level that the plague has reached by the time yeah it's calculated how many people you've killed throughout the game if that makes sense yeah, it's um, it's real bad in the in the high chaos ending of plagues everywhere. People are dying all over the place. It's like it's it is it is definitely a bad ending. Um, it also affects Emily's personality a little bit. Um, essentially, you're it's kind of like a monkey see monkey do thing where Emily sees you murdering everyone you come across, and so she decides maybe I should rule with an iron fist versus being a bit more benevolent. Um. Which I think is pretty interesting. Um, I'd I'd be curious if that plays into the um, second game at all, or do they just assume that you did the good or bad ending? There is a specific canon ending that they go with, and then they play on that for the okay, opening cool. of the sequel. So yeah, it, it's is not it the, to... Is it the high chaos ending or the low chaos ending? Uh, I believe, I believe it is. Yes, yeah, it's, the, it's the low chaos ending. Yeah. Okay. So, and there's other factors at play too, like in the um, in one of the DLCs you play as Dowd, and you go up against Delilah, who is a vi- the villain of the sequel, which implies that you didn't murder her in the DLC, in the DLC. which is an option okay. that you can have. Um, so they definitely have a canon ending they're going with, and it seems okay. to be the everybody lives ending, which is fine. Yeah, yeah that's, that's totally fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine, and then when you get to the opening of the sequel, you can kind of um, see where they're going to go and branch off with it, because that's the canon ending they've chosen to continue with. You can definitely see how it's going to play out from there, um, like within the first little couple of cutscenes, and obviously I don't want to spoil it or anything, but um, yeah, but it's, it's it plays more with the world because like i said the more rats there are the less the the harder it is going to be for you to actually traverse the environment so yeah there'll be bigger and more groups of them um which just makes it harder for you and then plays into the story of it as well so aren't there more of the plague victim style enemies as well um in concordance with the rats now it's kind of coming back to me i think there's more of the weeper type enemies Maybe um, not. I don't remember. Yeah, there might be. I don't know. So again, it's been a while since I've played. I've only finished the first one once, and I've started it again about three separate times, but never got into it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that what what I would say is, 
if this was a few years ago, it would be a bit different because the release schedule wouldn't be as busy as it is. So you would have enough time to mm -hmm. maybe go through it, do a high chaos engine where you kill everybody and then you've got free reign to just completely explore the environment, see every little thing, collect every note, um, get every little piece of lore, and then you could maybe replay it just to sort of say, right, I've seen all the story bits, now I just want to go through it again, get pure stealth just for the enjoyment of it. Um, and you could do it that way, but because it's so busy, you've got to kind of set yourself a specific way of doing it. Otherwise, you're just going to be spending too much time on one game, knowing full well that you've got so much other stuff to do. So, yeah. I mean, it it does kind of go into bits of the story from the first game as you go along in the sequel. Mm -hmm. um, in particular, the relationship between Corvo and Emily, they really sort of play quite heavily with that. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily worry too much if you miss out on the story because it does kind of go into it. Um, okay. And if you if you reach the end of the first one and you feel like you've got a good enough grasp to go into the sequel, then I'd say you probably do have a good enough grasp of it. If not, I'd say probably just read it on Wikipedia or something and then that will bring you up to speed and you'll be completely set. There's okay. a lot of stuff that's touched upon in the first game that, that apparently they go into in a bit, quite a bit more detail in the second one, like the Outsiders' origins and whatnot um, aren't really elaborated on in the original game, but they are in the sequel. So if you have these story threads that you have questions about, they might not get any answers until you play the second one. Which yeah, is fine. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with the story going over. I was just... Yeah. Like this, for some reason, like this game always seems like my like my white whale, right? Like this, I I always want to play it, and then I bounce off of it. I just decided this week, like or last week, really, like I'm going to play this game. So I'm ask I've been, basically been asking everybody how I should play this game. <laughs> but if you really just can't, and you just want to jump into the sequel, I'm saying that you're probably not probably okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you should be all right, really. Cool. Yeah, I mean, so there there is a story that is fleshed out to an extent. But it's not anything, it's not like a Metal Gear game where you think, I need to know every single detail, otherwise I'm not going to know what's going on. It does a good enough job of explaining or like explaining things that happened in the first game via the repercussions of those events, if you see what I mean. So you don't mm -hmm. really need to know it too well going into the sequel. It, it does a good enough job. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that that concludes oh. Dishonored Hour <laughs> on the Dark Insight <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so I've been I've been waiting a long time to actually because obviously the last time I was on, I'd literally just started it and we were talking mm -hmm. about it on the day it came out. So yeah, so I've been waiting you know two weeks to actually get stuck into it and have a proper chat. So I'm glad I managed to actually finally get that off my chest. I can breathe a sigh of relief now. <laughs> Well, um, I'm, I'm not going to mention who it is in case it falls through, but uh, there's we have another guest lined up in a couple of weeks, and um, they told me that uh, they were very specifically going to be talking a lot about Dishonor 2 because they were very <laughs> excited about it. So we'll have plenty more Dishonor chat over the next couple of weeks. So. Mm, I think I can make a couple of educated guesses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else? Yeah. What else have you been playing, Josh? Uh, so, yeah, contrary to what I... I usually feel about these kinds of games. I've actually been playing a Call of Duty game. Well, I've been playing two, actually. Um, I decided to pick up Infinite Warfare because it's been a long time since I've played a, a Call of Duty game, or properly, anyway. I bought Black Ops 3 for the, the multiplayer, but I didn't go into the, the campaign. And I bought this one mainly on the provisory of it's coming with Modern Warfare Remastered, so I thought, well, that game back in the day was absolutely incredible, so I, I would like to own that and see 
just what they've done with it. Um, and so I've been sort of messing around on the multiplayer with that and playing the campaign. And I've been playing the, the campaign of Infinite Warfare just because I wanted something to kind of show off my new TV. So I thought, well, that's, you know, that was probably quite a good thing to, to use to show it off. Um, oh, yeah. We didn't talk about your new yeah. 4K TV that you got this week, yes. huh? Yeah. It's real nice. It's real nice. I've been toying with whether or not to, to get one, and I finally took the plunge and, and bought one. So it's just under £700 well spent, in my opinion. So next on the agenda is a PS4 Pro, so I can really show it off. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, would, I thought I'd just mess around on the, the campaign in Infinite Warfare and see see what was up. I was expecting just a, basically a dumb middle of the road sort of means nothing shooter. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. I got a, a dumb middle of the road means nothing shooter. So, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I got exactly what I wanted. Um one thing I will say is that it comes with like a, a film grain thing built into the actual in-engine graphics. You can turn that off in the options, but it remains with the cutscenes, and the cutscenes don't run in-engine. They're pre-rendered cutscenes. So when you go from gameplay that looks just super smooth, and then you go into a cutscene that is just, for some reason, seems to come out a lot darker and you've got the film grain on it, it just it really takes me out of it. And I don't understand why they can't actually have the cutscenes in engine, because it's a, it's a sufficient engine. If it's an engine that can support a fast-paced first-person shooter, then it can support the cutscenes that go with it. Um, but they just they seem hell-bent on making these cutscenes that have photorealistic faces. And it's like, yeah, the faces look good, but your cutscenes look crap. So, you know, it's like, you're giving me something nice but you're also just giving me something that's so much worse that it kind of takes away the effect of what you're trying to achieve um but so the i haven't been paying the slightest bit of attention to the story because it's just it's rubbish it's a call of duty game <laughs> to, yeah it's exactly what you'd expect to the extent where i did the very first level then there's a cutscene where there's some sort of celebration i don't really know i wasn't paying attention there's some sort of celebration over something and then i wandered around a corner and i said I actually said out loud, this is a Call of Duty game. In two minutes, there's going to be an explosion. And then in two minutes, there was an explosion. I thought, yay, there we go. <laughs> you got exactly what you wanted, huh? Yeah, I got exactly what I wanted. I got exactly what I knew was going to happen. And I thought, yep, yeah, you haven't changed one little bit. Um, I know that it's, it's got a couple of um, sort of space combat bits, um, which is very typical of Call of Duty. It's very hold your hand and just, you know, all you got to do is basically just press forward and shoot and thus uh, just turn your ship around and that's pretty much it. I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't anything special. But then having done the space combat in No Man's Sky, you kind of think, well, you know, it's, I suppose it's not really as bad as it could have been. But so I was just, I was messing around with that just because I wanted something. I've played so many games the past few years that have required me to, go through every single level with a fine tooth comb and find every single detail, discover every single secret. And I just wanted something where like, I start at A, I go to B and I shoot everything on the way. And I don't want anything more than that. It's just something I can completely switch off to. And I don't have to worry about anything apart from where do I shoot and what do I shoot next? Um, which, which is, it's a Call of Duty game. So it gave me exactly what I wanted. But the main reason why I bought it was, like I said, for Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare Remastered. And what they've done with that game 
it makes it look incredible. It's the best remaster I've seen for a very long time. It it totally beats Batman. I mean, so Batman has its technical issues anyway, um, but it just it runs super smooth. From what I can tell, it's running in sixty frames a second. Um, just the, all the textures on all the faces and the terrain as well. To be fair, just look absolutely incredible. Um, and I forgot just how good that campaign actually is. It's back when Call of Duty actually had a bit of clout to it before it just said, right, this is our, our fixed state. This is what we're going to base every game on from now on. It was it was definitely a game that kind of, I don't know, pushed the envelope a little bit in terms of first-person shooters. I'm not saying it's, it's not... It's only really groundbreaking in the, the terms that it brought in the, the swift aiming system. Which, don't get me wrong, that is a, a very helpful thing to have in a first-person shooter nowadays. But it was, it's just it's got a solid campaign with characters that I care about. Um, and it's, yeah, it's absolutely incredible to just play that game again and think... Because I'm just playing it on easy. I don't really want the challenge. I just I want to play it so I can just sort of say, yeah, that, you know, it's just it's a bit of throwaway fun. You know, it's a Call of Duty game. Um, but uh, it's, I was genuinely surprised because I thought, well remasters they tend to be either absolutely incredible or just total garbage not worth bothering with and i was interested to see given how much love this game has in general just what they do to it and i i did hope that they had put in the effort and it seems that they have and it's really paid off because it, it looks really nice and it runs absolutely perfectly and i'm just i'm glad to be able to play it again because it's it's definitely been worth the wait um the multiplayer is still just as good as it was and I'm still rubbish at it. So, you know, not, not much has changed there either, but yeah. <laughs> so you can do multiplayer in the original or in the remaster and the new game. That seems kind of like a weird decision. I figured they would just lock multiplayer into the uh, new version to get more people playing it. Yeah. But I think the thing is because people have so much nostalgia for the maps of modern warfare, if they'd left the multiplayer out, then people would, would really kick up a stink about it. Because they'd say, well, it's all well and good you've given us this new multiplayer in Infinite Warfare. But what we really want is just the modern warfare multiplayer experience that we had all those years ago. I mean, that's yeah. probably why they integrated it with Infinite Warfare in the first place. is because they knew full well that if they sold it just separately, Infinite Warfare wouldn't wouldn't sell any copies i mean it's been reported that the sales for it have been down as it is um that's not saying too much given now it's, it's a call of duty but it, yeah i think that if they had sold it separately um infinite warfare would just be completely dead and everybody would be playing modern warfare i mean i've had no trouble getting the game i've only played about five or six matches because that's pretty much all i can tolerate because i just suck so bad um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I've never been any good at shooters. No, neither have I really. Um I just I got good in Modern Warfare 2 for a little while. Um and then I got a bit busy so I didn't really get much time to play it and then by the time I did everyone else had just gotten so much better that I thought, oh, no, that's it, I'm just I'm done. Um and I don't tend to play too much multiplayer anyway, just because I'm more of a single player kind of person nowadays. Um but I do like to have a kind of a, a multiplayer game that I know is there and is gonna get me a game for a substantial amount of time so I can sort of play it online for about a month and then think right I'll put that to one side and know that if I come back to it in three or four months I can still easily get a game on it um yeah but um that's pretty much all I've got to say about it really it's as good as I expected it to be um 
and yeah, I'm glad I got it. And that's that one. Cool. So are you gonna? Do you think you're you're gonna keep it, or you're gonna think you're gonna get your value out of it and trade it up for another one? Uh, well, probably I've got to keep the disc because the way that they've got it, you have to download Modern Warfare, which is about I think it's about fifty gigabytes on its own, but Jeez. you can't. Yeah, it's it's huge because obviously because we've got all the high definition textures and everything. Um, I imagine they took a, take up quite a substantial amount of space, um, but. You can download Modern Warfare, but you cannot play it unless you have the Infinite Warfare disc in the drive. Jeez. <laughs> yep. So they've really actually, they've completely swindled you on it because you have to have Infinite Warfare to play Modern Warfare. So, because what I originally wanted to do was buy Infinite Warfare, download Modern Warfare Remastered, and then just sell the disc on because I'm not really interested in it. Then when I learned, oh, you actually have to have the disc in to be able to play it, Right, okay, cheers. So I thought, well, I'm just going to have to keep it, aren't I? It's yeah. kind of clever, honestly. How do we oh, get people to buy our game? Yeah, and, and, and keep it and not trade will... it in. Yeah. Yeah. It is very clever, but it's also kind of crafty. It's ah. a little scummy, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's kind of it's scummy. I like, that. I like that phrase. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all right, I suppose. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't complete with the likes of Doom or, or even Wolfenstein or anything, but for what it is, I'd say it's, it's alright, I suppose. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. pretty much all I've got to say about it. Yeah. Um, there's only other one game I've got on my list, which I shall just go over briefly, because I only played the first level anyway. Um, because we're in this, this age of this modern technology that we're now living in, I plugged in the PS2 earlier after a bit of a struggle to get it to work on a new PC. Yeah, um, cheers, cheers, Cliff, for sorting that out for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I played a bit of the Punisher on the PS2 earlier. So <laughs> nice. I just, it's it's just to me that's quite an underrated game. It really is. I actually think it's it's a lot of fun, um, and I find it intriguing because they've gone for in terms of the character model, they've kind of gone for how he looks in the in the comics but they've got the voice for Thomas Jane and obviously he played him in one of the films and so it's kind of like a mishmash of stuff but it's just it's just a, again just another bit of throwaway fun it's like yeah I just want to be in a, a violent man for a little bit and it, it looks horrible on the new TV it looks absolutely atrocious <laughs> Josh really gets does. a 4K TV and it instantly hooks up a 20 year old console to it <laughs> yeah you know I'm I'm set in my ways I'll freely admit that to anybody you know I mean my the PS2 is in my opinion the best console ever released it's got the best lineup of games and I've I've lost count of how many hours I've spent I, I mean I've owned three PS2s in my life so yeah. I admittedly have a, a small collection of old consoles that I refuse to get rid of just because I love some of the games on them so much. I'll yeah. go back and play Majora's Mask every now and again. Mm. Or yeah. Yeah, I think, Hill 2 or whatever. Yeah, I think it's it's important to have that. My collection is a lot smaller than it used to be just because a lot, with my backlog being the way it is, there's no way I'm ever going to actually play any of these games again. So I did go and sell a few of them on ebay but i've still got the original xbox and i've still got there's a, there's a sega mega drive and there's an n64 as well so i've still got a few lying around for that I day dreamcast for god's sake 
Yeah, I, I did have, I had one of them. That was one of the ones I had to sell. I bought it originally just to play Shenmue, but I thought, I just, I'm never going to get around to playing it, so we might as well just go off to a good home. But it's important to kind of not forget about these consoles, because even the Dreamcast, for what it was, it was still a nice little console at the time, so. It's got it's some important. weird games on it, too. Like, oh, it definitely has, yeah. I pull out Ill Bleed sometimes just to confuse people with, hey, friend. <laughs> You want to play this really bizarre horror game from the early 2000s that you've never yeah. heard of? <laughs> and it's got the first David Cage game on it as well, so you can... I don't want to talk about that. No. <laughs> I... yeah, I... You got me one to drink in a glass of water on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I put it in, I played it for 10 minutes, I slammed it back in the case, like, no. Nope. real bad. Yeah, that's a, that's a big fat no for me. No chance. <laughs> Yeah, but um, that's all the games I've been playing this week. Okay, I know you haven't uh, really had time to play from no. between school and cosplay and everything else that you do. Yeah, but, usually uh... if I have spare time right now, I'm sewing. Um, the last game I played really was um, I bought JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Eyes of Heaven. Uh, okay. I played quite a bit of that. That's a fighting game. Um, and they they kind of set it up so it's two versus two, but you can't you can't team up with a friend, um, which I think is garbage. It has to be you and an AI opponent versus another person and an AI opponent or two AIs or um, whatever, which can be pretty frustrating because the a the partner AI in that game is garbage. It is so bad. Um, definitely had a lot of matches where uh, my my AI partner stopped time and then just stood there for nine seconds. And I was like, oh, oh, you're not going to... You're not going to do anything, are you? You're just going to freeze everybody? Great, thanks. <laughs> um, but I did play quite a bit of that. I had a good time um, messing around with it. It's a decent little fighting game. If you don't play JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, if you don't know anything about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, prepare to be left in the dust, though, because they <laughs> they go through all eight parts and do not stop to explain anything. <laughs> My experience with uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is mostly people on my Twitter feed, like, every time there's a new episode, like, just freaking out that there's a new episode. And, um, like, it, everyone, it, there's been a couple listening. people. I invite you to go to outofcontextjojo.tumblr.com for a good laugh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> any, any panel taken out of context is just totally bizarre. <laughs> I've tried watching the uh, first couple episodes of the of the anime, and I'm not much of an anime guy to begin with. Like I just yeah. I, I don't click with it a lot a lot of it. So uh, like that, that first season's rough because it goes at roughly the speed of light. Um, they're just they really blow through the first. They kind of combine the first two parts of the manga into one season, and they just fly through it. And so I I, I know a lot of people get lost on that one, and then they slow down for the next couple parts, and it's easier to keep up. But if you're not into anime, like JoJo's peak anime. It's not. It's probably not yeah. going to change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just went to out of context JoJo, and like the third or fourth image is just um, like two anime dudes, and the subtitle is "We used masks to turn these horses into vampires," which yep. is pretty much the most anime thing I could probably think about. So. Yep, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> um, That's I really played... funny. I played a little bit of Ashes of Ariandel. Um, didn't really have time to get into it, uh, and didn't get very far. I'm still in the very beginning part of that DLC. 
mm-hmm. and hopefully someday I'll finish it. But I'm just like, I'm just not into Dark Souls three anymore. I don't know. I played it once, was not particularly enamored with it, and put it back down. And now I just want to go back to Bloodborne. That is seems to be the consensus but among does, everybody. Yeah, like I think like this happened to, back to Bloodborne. Everyone, it's insane. I really, I need to go back and do, I want to do a Holy Moonlight Sword run of Bloodborne to try to go get that sword as early as possible and play through the whole game with it and see if it's fun. The last time I played it, I ran through and uh, murdered Simon the Harrowed so I could do a um, Simon's Bowblade run, and that was, that was a good time. I really like Simon's Bowblade. Like, it's a, it's a, really, a really fun, fun weapon. weapon. Yeah. Um, fighting him at level 36, not so fun. Running through that whole first zone of the DLC all at level thirty six, also not so fun. Also not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that would probably be literally what you have to do, right? Just literally run past everything just, until you. Can I was get... just running, like just booked <laughs> it through that level because you. It's I mean like you can fight those guys at the front, but they have so much health. Like that's that's a late that's a late game area, in spite of the fact that you can ac- ac- access it's like so early. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely remember the first time I downloaded it I went I went you know started it up and could not get anywhere and so I googled okay Google what's the recommended level for the Bloodborne DLC and it said 75 oh well I'm a uh, wow. 30 <laughs> <laughs> so I had to come back and I still played it under level that time but it was it's not an easy area so yeah I was just sprinting through the whole thing and it took me multiple tries to be able to open up that shortcut to even be able to talk to Simon, but once I finally got him, I got his sword by cheesing through the door and had a fun time with that one. That is a really good weapon. Wow. That's that's how I killed Havel the first time. Is um just his he you know, he would get confused, his pathing would get confused if he opened up the door to Darkroot Forest and yeah. like you know, he would run up to the door and like try to hit you, and then like back away slowly. I would get like five hits in, <laughs> and then that, run up I at you again. Thing, um, where you take all your armor off and then run up the stairs and jump off, so you don't take much damage because you're not very heavy. But he has the heaviest armor ever, so he takes tons of fall damage. Oh, nice! And if you do that a couple of times, he will eventually just kill himself. Havel, he's for such a kind of an icon of the soul series he's not a very smart guy he's not real bright he's not a real bright <laughs> um i'm also thinking about going back and playing persona 4 again before persona 5 comes out because apparently i have time now i was it's about to say back <laughs> to april <laughs> i was uh I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game for a couple of different reasons but like I, it's just been a long time since i've really got into a jrpg and looking at final fantasy 15 and like kind of seeing how that's playing right now like seeing like kind of what that game is and then looking at the videos for persona 5 i'm like well if i'm going to do one of these like it's got to be persona 5 it just it's so stylish and the music is interesting and it it, it feels like it feels new like and i haven't played any of the persona games so let me just well i mean i would not have played the souls games if it weren't for persona 4 to be perfectly honest so okay there you go (laughs) i Demon Souls was published in North America by Atlas, uh, which also develops the Persona games. And at the time, I didn't understand the difference between a publisher and a developer. So I just played everything I could get my hands on that had the Atlas logo on it. And that's how I played Demon Souls. <laughs> 
You know, that's that's probably not a bad. I mean, like there could be publishers that you would go wrong with, but for Atlas, that's probably a pretty good. Like they have some pretty good games under their under their games. wing. Yeah, I got to play some cool games like Rule of Rose that I played otherwise. Um, Man, it's so weird that you bring that up. Um, Cole from Duckfeed TV, uh, he was streaming that a few months ago. Like it is it's such a, a strange game. It is a weird game. Like we turned it on and uh, my wife was like, what is this? And I was like, I don't know. I think it's some Resident Evil game. <laughs> so... Not quite. <laughs> and it's not that. I my copy. It's a really cool game, but um, I think I sold it at one point And now like good luck getting a copy of that game. It's so expensive. That's yeah. I think he bought one in, at, uh, cause I saw him at the retro gaming expo that they do in Portland. And like, it was still like, 30 or 45 dollars or something insane. okay well i'm talking like 200 dollars. oh okay so he got he got a real good deal yeah i think when i got it i found it for 50 and that was like a good deal at the time and i don't know what happened to it because uh, that was years ago but yeah wish i still had it it's a pretty cool little game josh if, as a as a fan of horror games you should go look this up i'll uh i'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes for uh hex crank um for, so you can watch the whole stream of it um because it's it's just a really really interesting game like just you know it's wander around like, a, like this weird school thing and i don't it's know sort weird of like creatures a really twisted fairy tale yeah yeah i didn't watch the whole thing i only watched a couple hours of him playing it so i didn't get to see the whole thing but yeah very weird no, i'm done with that that sounds right up my street <laughs> Wicked. well cool i guess um as usual, as since we've moved to our weekly thing, as usual, we're going to have a little shorter of a uh, shorter episode. But I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. <laughs> no, so I think unless anybody else has anything to cover, I think we're about all all done and dusted. I think, are we? I'm good. I think I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, then we shall um, wrap things up. Um, so yeah um, thank you for listening everybody um if you'd uh, like to find us on twitter we are at uh, was in dark inside pod isn't it on twitter mm-hmm. yeah so we're on dark inside pod on twitter uh, you can find us on itunes what are we on there was a stitcher and obviously i'm still getting used to all this stuff so it's all right yeah so it's all the all the usual podcast um yeah, all the, the usual podcast stuff and uh, and everything. Oh god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you could um, just find us on there and sort of you know leave us a, a review and a five star rating and everything and uh, yeah, so that would be fantastic. Um, so, Kay, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so if people want to, to find you on the um, on the interwebs, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Humanity Upgrade, all one word. Um, mostly I post cosplay stuff, but uh, if you're into that, check it out, I guess. <laughs> you can also follow the, the saga of the stopped up drain, which has oh, been happening over the last several that's, months. That's supposed to be done next week, but we'll see. <laughs> and Jeremy, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, you can find me at JG Greer on Twitter. Um, I also do other podcasts. If you enjoyed K from today, you might look at episode number four of Don't Give Up Skeleton, um, which you can find at darkinsight.net slash DGUS. Uh, that was a real fun conversation about how K got into the Souls games. And uh, honestly, I don't really remember much else about that episode. I'm sure it was good, though. <laughs> it feels so long ago. It feels like it was like five years ago. <laughs> it was like May. 
I know. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> it a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the fourth episode of the podcast. I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. <laughs> Still don't really know what I was doing that much. Um, yeah, at JG Greer on Twitter, come talk to me and chat. And um, yeah, you can follow this podcast on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and probably other other places too, SoundCloud and Stitcher and things. So yeah. yeah Josh, where, and, uh, where can they find you at? Uh, well, I only tend to inhabit one part of the internet, and that's Twitter. So if you if you want to find me on there, I'm uh, at Morbid Beard. You'll uh, you'll soon you'll soon get to know my name. If you listen to any of the other podcasts in our little community, then you'll soon get to know me. I'm I'm the one who tends to send essays for responses. So and I've, I've gained a bit of a reputation for doing so. So if you if you want to chat to me, and by that I mean help me write a novel, then uh, feel free to to follow me on there, and we can <laughs> we can chat away. So yeah, but um. Thank you all very much for listening. And um, yeah, we will see you. I will see you in two weeks' time. And I imagine Cliff will be back next week. So he will see you next week. So, Oh, real quick before we say goodbye, I want to say one one quick thing. Um, our buddy Jake Lionheart on Twitter, we mentioned last week that oh, um, yeah. he, he had had a, uh, he had had a, a new baby. Um, and apparently there's something going wrong. He's not being super detailed on Twitter and I don't blame him for it, but, um, the baby's in the hospital and going through some rough times. So just want to send out a lot of love and tell Jake that, you know, he's in our hearts and our minds. And this, this has got to be a most trying experience because mm. yeah, seven days and right back into the hospital. So, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so if you look at his Twitter feed, you'd never know it. And the man is a top bloke and he's, he's been, he's been an absolute rock for, for the baby and for his partner. Mm-hmm. So it is, yeah, he's a very good man. And yeah, he's in my thoughts and all the best, my friend. Cool. Okay. Thank you again for guesting. We really appreciate it. And you, uh, just, just so you know, you always have a place if you ever want to come back on the show. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know. No, it's hard to work around my schedule, but I'll let you know if I have any more days off coming up. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we should see you next week. Thank you very much for listening and uh, see you later. Bye-bye.